HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby, broadcast live to the cosmos on the Heritage Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby. My co-host and producer extraordinaire is Sophie Schlesinger. Hi, everybody. And today, Sophie has really outdone herself. <laughs> she has found the cheese lady, I thought for a while that that might be my name because little kids in the neighborhood called me that, but <laughs> it's not true. There not is anymore. the cheese lady, yeah. and her name is Sarah Kaufman, and she's from Wisconsin, and she's a professional cheese sculptor. Yes. And we are here to talk with her today. But before uh, we talk with Sarah, Sophie is going to rattle off some of Sarah's most amazing cheese sculptures <laughs> to date. So just a few uh, to, to give you an idea. She's done a six-foot-long aircraft carrier. A 120-pound Mickey Mouse, a 300-pound gorilla. This is all made out of cheese. Yeah, yeah. Very important to remember. A six-foot-long cheddar gator for UF, and several TV personalities, including Jay Leno and Katie Couric. So pretty impressive. That is absolutely amazing. (laughs) Um, So, Sarah, are you on the line with us? Yes, I am, and I'm, I'm... Trying to not laugh. <laughs> <laughs> we are so impressed. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, thank you. Those are all old ones. My goodness. I just recently was in Washington, D.C. for Veterans Day and did a 1,400-pound big statue of, a, of soldiers, the soldier carrying whoa. the other soldier, the wounded soldier, you know, and the rescue carry, and um, uh, the Beatles, and Nemo, and um, Toy Story 2, and... Mater, the tow truck. <laughs> wow. So those are my, some more insane. famous movie stars. <laughs> wow. wow. And so what is the biggest cheese sculpture you've done to date? The biggest cheese sculpture I've ever built out of chunks of cheese was 2,500 pounds. What? That was uh, a seven foot wide by five foot tall by three to four foot thick cow 
the ever popular dairy cow. But that was for Indiana State Fair, surrounded by 4-H kids doing all kinds of their projects because it was the you know 150th anniversary of the fair and 4-H at the fair. So it was loaded with kids all over the place. But the biggest cheese I've ever carved on was 12,500 pounds. That was a big cheddar mammoth from Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, was a single block of cheese? Ten feet wide. Oh a little my one. Gosh. <laughs> oh, my God. How do you even yeah. go, like, begin to carve that? I mean, do you use, I don't, like, what, what kind of tools do you use? Yeah, do you need a ladder? Like, how do you maneuver that well, much the cheese? Big, that big 10-foot tall, big 10-foot wide, six tons of cheese. I carved, standing on the ground, and I carved more two-dimensional, like a bar-relief. I carved okay. a, a big dragon wrapping around the whole carving. And these these cheeses are coated with wax, and they have the cheesecloth there in the wax. So I carved the design around the circumference and didn't, you know, carve the whole surface because um, that was just way too much. Yeah. But the cow itself, before I even began, I had to pile up 50 40-pound blocks of cheese, shave them square, butt them, um, put in some inner structures so that, because cheese itself, you can't trust it to just totally support itself and you're piling up 800 pounds of cheese, you know, right. that's a lot of weight. <laughs> but first I had to build the wall of cheese before I even began the sculpture. So that was, I just stand there and still and I go, oh my gosh, that was 60 hours of just building the cheese wall before I even started finding a cow inside the cheese wall. Wow. So you know, they're quite, it's quite the task on these larger sculptures. Wow. But I do dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of 5, 10, 15, 20, 40 pound, 100 pound, 200 pound carvings all the time. <laughs> wow. And so the the looming question in everyone's mind is, how did you get into this? Yeah. This is not a normal profession. <laughs> well, Anne, Anne, I'm from Wisconsin. I'm a cheesehead. <laughs> that, that really helps, and it really makes the story even better because I always drew a lot as a kid, and then I went to school for commercial art and eventually became art director for the Dairy Farms of Wisconsin, Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board, and that's where I ran into cheese. We really didn't think it up. Um, it kind of found me, really, truly, because... Um, we, as the Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin, we would do cheese promotion, and I would hire people to carve for us for our events back at that time, and um, I just loved it when the carvings came in, and i I got to do that. I've got to try that. So I tried a few, and then 15 years later, when I left the company, they hired me freelance. It was just a moonlight job, truly a moonlight job. <laughs> I just did it when they called. I had plenty to do. In my advertising world, but I would do carvings when they called, and that just grew and grew and grew till I left. I quit my advertising job to do my cheese carving job. That was wow. six years ago, and it's whoa. That's when I did the Gator and Mickey Mouse and Jay Leno and all the Today Show people and Rosie O'Donnell, Tom Cruise, Washington Lincoln, <laughs> and every other CEO and CEO team in Mount Rushmore. <laughs> you could name it. I could say, yep, did him in Mount Rushmore. <laughs> did her in Mount Rushmore. <laughs> wow. That is amazing. So yeah. it's funny. It answers the quintessential question of every art student. Uh, you yeah. know, what do I do with my yeah. art degree? 
You yeah. obviously become a cheese sculptor. <laughs> Clearly. I, I was yeah. an art student mm-hmm. as well, actually, and I chose to be a cheesemonger, but um, cheese sculptor is a little mm-hmm. bit more true to, uh, <laughs> you know, keeping with the artistic practice. I really, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so well, somebody said to me, when I, I, you carve a lot in grocery stores because it's, it's a great hook. All, I, yeah. all that cheese carving is, is a big hook. <laughs> yeah. And it's theater and retail, as we say, and uh, shop retainment, and it, it's all, you almost always connected with cheese promotion so that they come in and I'm carving and I sample and have chunks to sell and talk about. Usually Wisconsin, I'm almost always carving Wisconsin cheese, but cheese in general and have them trial, have different flavors where I talk about mild versus medium versus sharp, how cheese is made. In a lot of the case, those big cylinders are, you know, very historic way cheese was made for centuries by everybody. And that's where uh, it gets into the, um, you know, we're all familiar with the uh, 8 and 13 and 22-pound wheels. But when you get up to 75 pounds, 150 pounds, 300, 500, 1,000, 1,200 pounds, those were common sizes that cheesemakers made cheddar back in even Thomas Jefferson's time. They used those big wheels. They'd put them on the train or they, the grocer had them and would cut and chunk and then, you know, give you your 20 pounds to take home or your 40-pound chunk of cheese to take home because you didn't go to the grocery store every day like we do now. So they're very historic, and uh, it's cool. It's really cool to tell the story. And, of course, people are so amazed. Even when I'm doing 20 pounds of cheese, they're just amazed. But can you imagine when I'm carving 500 and 1,000-pound wheels and they just drop dead in their tracks. <laughs> the off factor <laughs> yeah. is amazing. Not to mention, then they get to taste it, and it's awesome cheese. Awesome, awesome cheese. Wow. So, what... I carve cheddar, but I carve other other kinds of cheese I like to incorporate. Often, I'll, you know, you'll see, you know, on the alligator have those big teeth of white. Yeah. And the big white eyeballs. I love to inlay the contrast for eyes and teeth and things like that. And you'll see that. Or um, some of my collages have multiple kinds of cheese and because you know cheese is bigger than just cheddar it's a whole world of cheese out there you you know more than i (laughs) (laughs) well i mean it's pretty it's pretty amazing though i feel like in the cheese carving world you know cheddar is king because i haven't seen too many cheese sculptures made of anything else um i was i was wondering who commissions you to do these um amazing works well, I am commissioned a lot by Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board, and I'll go in and do promotions at all the grocery store chains for grand openings or big cheese events. In the case of the Wounded Warrior sculpture, I was uh, commissioned by Masters Gallery Cheese in Wisconsin, who does all the private label cheese for Harris Teeter. So I was there on behalf of the Harris Teeter, their case, cheese, and Masters Gallery. Um, Oh, sometimes I'm hired by caterers, or uh, in the case of, well, I did this six-foot-tall astronaut a couple summers ago. That I was commissioned by um, Wisconsin Milk Marketing. He partnered with the uh, Historical Society in Ohio, in Wapakoneta, Ohio, where Neil Armstrong was born. So we did. I did this six-foot-tall astronaut in the grocery store so everybody could watch as I carved and taste the cheese, and, you know, everybody could watch the progress. And then the cheese carving was, we moved it over to the Air and Space Museum for the big celebration. 
Wow. And then, oh boy, the, the, you know, the throngs of people came through that day because everyone just has that amazement for the astronauts who walked on the moon. Wow. And so, do you, uh, mostly dairy promotion groups. Do you have... Uh, Indiana State Fair, New York, cars for the Southwest Dairy Farmers, I carved for Columbus, New Mexico Dairy Farmers. It's usually milk and dairy promotion. Hmm. And I was just going to ask, do you mind people people watching you while you're carving? Does that, you well, know? Well, no. You know what? I It's weird. You know, I, I got over that somehow a long time ago. Yeah. And it was it's much more fun to sit with a group of people than to sit in a back room all by yourself for days and days yeah. and days. Yeah. And, and I, I don't know. I like to talk. And I've being having been in advertising and promotion for years, I... I understand why you deliver a message. So I'm always talking about, it's a curiosity, how milk is made, how much milk it takes to make a pound of cheese, um, the craftsmanship, the heritage, um, uh, nutrition, all kinds of stuff to talk about. And and the people love it. And I guess it's just try to shut me up. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, what... Can you tell us a little bit, what is the tradition of cheese carving? I mean, it seems yeah. like a really American thing. Do you know a lot about the history behind it? Wow. Some of, I just don't know too much history. I haven't seen it. I knew, I know we had some carvings that were done for Wisconsin in my day um, in the 80s. Um, previous to that, I can't imagine that it wasn't done. But it seems to have appeared, and I think Wisconsin was the big proponent of it and had branched off into training and education series for chefs and um, deli ladies and deli people to use cheese as a promotion tool and or, again, as a, a decoration for a buffet. And it's a great way, a very tasteful way to get your message in or a logo in or yeah, and, you know, again, delivering a message without a paper sign. And it's so intriguing, and I think part of it is because it's so perishable. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you could do it in tallow, you can do it in lard, you can do it in plastic, you can do it in wood, but something about that, the perishability that makes it, ooh, like chocolate and, and the delicacy of pulled sugars, it's, it's very fragile. They could, you know, so, I think you could, you have one up on the flower industry now. You could have like a campaign, say it with cheese <laughs> and just, hey, you know. Yeah. I, had a, I got a call from a man who saw my website and said, say, my wife loves cheese and my wife loves sushi. Can you make cheese sushi? <laughs> oh my goodness. So we ended up carving um, a, a actual sushi size plate, a rectangle. And, oh, I, and I said to him, oh, you want a, a cheese plate too? So I took colored cheeses and some pink port-type cheese and made a shrimp, and I used white little cheese to look like the rice bed and um, did did rolls of different colors of cheese to look like pinwheel, like a um, California roll. And um, <laughs> So in that respect, yeah, that was great. It was like flowers. It was a gift. Yeah. And, uh, wow. Many, many cakes for weddings. <laughs> Cheesecakes. <laughs> yeah, there's no end. Well, um, uh-huh. we, 
we are going to take a quick break. Um, but when we come back, I, I mean, I have a million more questions, yeah. as I'm sure okay. Sophie does. So <laughs> stick with us on Cutting the Curve. We'll be right back. Thanks. everybody at HeritageRadioNetwork.com, we'd like to send a special thank you to the Hearst Ranch, our biggest supporter and longest-running sponsor since we first started in 2009. Hearst Ranch is the nation's largest single-source supplier of free-range, all-natural, grass-fed, and grass-finished beef. Since 1865, the Hearst family has raised cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of the Central California coast. The result is beef with extraordinary flavor that's as memorable and natural as the surrounding landscape. For more information, visit www.hearstranch.com. And we are back on Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby. My co-host is Sophie Schlesinger. And our guest today is the cheese lady, the one and only Sarah (laughs) Kaufman from Wisconsin. Um, So, Sarah, first off, um, if people want to learn more about your work and uh, see your beautiful sculptures, um, do you have a website or anything where people can find you? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Please go to my website. It's Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, SarahCheeseLady.com. And if you just Google cheese sculptures, cheese carving, <laughs> I pop right up. You're, you've got the market cornered. Yeah, yeah. I think there's. I'm about the first 185 stories under that <laughs> caption. Yeah, there's a couple under. There's another person. Uh, funny enough, in the small world of cheese carving, there's another Sarah who carves cheese, and she now lives in California. I mean, she's from California. Huh. Sarah Knapp. She's been carving cheese, and way back when I worked at Wisconsin, and and um, they would hire a cheese carvers. She was one of the people that carved cheese for us back then, and I still run into her now at shows. But it's Sarah Kaufman, it's Sarah Nepp. We're going to have to get together and do a dynamic dual carving, I yes, think. Yes, and oh, I think but, there's you know, a... what a small world, and we're both Sarahs. Yeah, and there's a <laughs> butter sculptor, too, named Sarah, who I believe yeah. is in she... Iowa. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, she's be. famous because she took over the role of Duffy, right. this lady, who um, Duffy Lyons, who passed away recently. Right. And, yeah, she was um, under her understudy for years, and her name's Sarah. Yeah. So she's a butter sculptor, and there's another one named Sue Borman, <laughs> and I used to be Sarah Bauman, and there's another Sue, and our names are so similar that uh, it, it's it's. I have to laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And so who was your mentor? Who really taught you, showed you the ropes? Yeah. um, Two people. Um, One is Alan Hendricks. And we would hire him to carve for us at Wisconsin. And he would carve at trade shows and still does a bit. But he's a chef, a big Mm -hmm. foodie. 
And he's where I, you know, got inspired and saw him do a lot of carvings. And oh, what's the other lady? Nancy. We can't think of her name. Nancy. Nancy. It'll it'll Nancy come back. Amazing. It'll come back. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. So that's incredible. So how long how long did you kind of practice your craft before you felt comfortable, you know, going out there and being like, yes, hire yeah. me. I am your cheese well, sculptor. Well, let me tell you, it's funny. The very first time I ever carved, I shipped it off to an event. I had done a, uh, when I was the art director at ADA, the Dairy Farms of Wisconsin, we did a slideshow back in the olden days when you'd have an actual slideshow that went, ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. <laughs> slideshow and I needed to do the title slide so I carved a wood a wood cut it looked like a, a wood cut and I carved it out of cheese the the um, the art of cheese making and that was the title slide for that that was in 1981 way back then and then um, the next time I really I carved for some trade shows for us just sitting around but then when I got my first a uh, job, my first freelance job. It was for Wisconsin, and um, yeah, uh, they said, "Here, we're sending you a block of cheese. Carve it. Here's what we need, and send it." That was it. I I never practiced. I always just sketched on paper, and it comes from years and years of drawing. Mm-hmm. But I, the gator, the alligator you're talking about, is very, very new. I mean, very early in my career. The aircraft carrier was early in my career. Um, Mickey Mouse, three-foot-tall Mickey Mouse, that was early. It just, I dug in. It just, I don't know where it came from. Wow. Because I feel like drawing is so so different from sculpting. I mean, I don't don't have, like, a Mm fine art background, but I feel like to take something three-dimensionally must, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. There's a leap. There's a leap. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Leap of faith. And when I do these big things, and you have to not just, so I'll sketch. I'll sketch your profile, left side, right side, back, front. And I'll think about it on paper. Where does this tap? Where does this come out in this grid? And you're not just talking about front and side. You're talking about six feet of cheese, and it's a rectangle. And inside there is the wounded warriors. And it's like this. You have to mark on each side these anchors. Like the head comes here. This head is there. The shoulder is here. This foot is here. And you you mark it and. I don't know. I don't know how I do it. <laughs> um, I think when you draw a lot and you draw realistically, you look at what you're drawing. If it's a chair or a pillow or a, a, lettuce, a head of lettuce, and you have to you you look at it and you realize it's not just flat. You feel the ovals. You feel the up and down of the leaves and. Right. It just to me comes from knowing your shape, knowing. Knowing foreshortening, knowing um, what that, studying that shape, thinking about that shape, and and then I always say I'm going to do a mini sculpture to practice, and I don't. Um, <laughs> you just go for it. Wow, you know, and it's a little scary. As I say, I have to, I get up with that big pile of cheese, and I kind of dance around it a little, and I. <laughs> feel it and starts talking to me, I think. <laughs> it's, oh, it's, it's a leap from yeah. that, that paper to finding out where, and when you, I blow up, I do it on grid paper, I do a drawing on grid paper, and then I blow it up to one or two inch grid, and then I, 
I try to stay that very true to that guideline as, well, it's 10 inches in and 4 inches this way and 6 inches that way. And I try to stay very true to my pattern, and it, that's usually my yeah. safety guide is stick to your pattern. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I have... Well, because all of a sudden you might cut away somebody's nose. I almost cut off Santa's nose one year. I got a little excited and was digging away and went... Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I'm doing good, and then... Whoa. <laughs> Can a toothpick Luckily, fix that? <laughs> I had not cut off Santa's nose. <laughs> Thank goodness. All the kids would be really disappointed. <laughs> yeah. That was a six foot Santa. That's a pretty big nose. <laughs> yeah. Now, let me ask yeah. you, what what happens to the cheese after you carve it? Um, is it made into like giant macaroni and cheeses somewhere? <laughs> or what happens to 99% it? 99% of the time when I carve, the carvings are eaten. Uh, wow. fractional amount are, you know, used on display for a long time, and then they either dry and get too crackly, or they're in a, a grocery store case and for a couple of weeks, um, and they will, all of a sudden, with the lights, the, the fluorescent lights will boink. One day, it starts turning a sh- different shade. You can just see it. And uh, and at, right then, at some point, three, four weeks, it bang, it molds. Now, the big ones, I take the, a lot of the main big cheese immediately off the sculpture and bag it. And that goes to soup kitchens or food pantries. And it's cut up, served, or, um, you know, chunked and, and, and given to people to um, second harvest type situations. And in the case of the gigantics, um, the cheese itself is picked up by farmer, a farmer or two after and chopped up and served to animals. I mean, I mean eaten by animals, not served, but <laughs> <laughs> often pig farmers will come and chop it up and serve it to their pigs. Mm-hmm. I'll bet. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it doesn't granted, go to waste. You know, it's not eaten by human animals, but uh, a lot of cheese trim in the industry, in the cutting plants, that, that trim is used to make cat food, dog food, pig food. It truly is, and it's um, we've come leaps and bounds for our feed for dogs and cats, where, you know, it, it's now nutritious. It's not just empty fillers. Cheese and dairy is a big byproduct used in cat and dog food in the, the, the gravies as a binder, as a filler, a nutritious filler. So, you know, okay, two 640-pound blocks. This last job I did, I probably 350 or such of that went to the kitchens, and then the sculpture that was left was served to animals. Hmm. So in the in the world of volumes of cheese, when you think about 640 pound blocks cranked off the assembly line at these big cheddar manufacturing plants, crank, 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 uh, that's like a little tiny cheese curd in a mountain. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah so, absolutely. Yeah, it's huge volume. Huge Interesting volume in America. Who knew? Yeah, Who knew? Is. Everyone, you know, yeah, yeah. our yeah. pets People got to mean. enjoy so much cheese. So what? Yeah. I have, I have another forty pound block. <laughs> that well, hopefully That's not all at once. That's the norm. Yeah. Yeah. Now some of these plants, some of these cheese plants. Um, there's a plant. Well, there's many of them. One plant makes nothing but mozzarella, and they crank out gigantic volume and. All the milk and all the cheese they produce is used in uh, manufacturing of pizza. That's only one little plant, which is a gigantic plant. 
So, you know, we're speaking volumes and volumes and volumes of cheese. Wow. And to think that one pound of cheese equals 10 pounds of milk. Yeah, no, and then then, then the volumes grow yeah. to it's universal crazy. proportions. Yeah. So, well, yeah. let me ask you this: what What is the future of cheese sculpting? Yeah. Do you have um, Do you have an apprentice? Do you have young people who want to learn this craft? Are you passing your your knowledge along? Well, I have to. <laughs> I need to because, uh, well, I'm 59. That's young. I've got a long that long is young way to go. <laughs> yes. But, you know, it's quite arduous um, day after day. And, and, and when I carve at the fairs, I'm there for a week. And just like the Stuffy Lions had an apprentice, I need to get some apprentices. I have one young girl at Indiana who helps me, and she's a very good sculptor. And um, but she's going to go on and be a botanist and a biologist. She's too brilliant. But, yeah, I need some <laughs> apprentices. <laughs> and, you know, it could be somebody young. No, it could be somebody older who's on a second career. And it's like, oh, I could do that now. I have time to travel. I have time to, um, I, I would do want, or somebody who doesn't want to travel, but they could do sculptures and ship. I do, I carve and ship from home a lot. And um, there's certainly, I certainly have a need for some support in that department. So if you're listening. Yeah, if you're yeah. listening, if any of our listeners come across this show, please um, contact Sarah because this is an amazing, uh, uh-huh. and I feel like and really again, uniquely just, American you know, art. Yeah. Take some commitment. Take some commitment. You, it's just, you have to, number one, you have to be patient. <laughs> yeah. Number two, you have to be able to draw. Number three, it's, it's, it's a project. Um, I'm sure attention to detail. Takes, yeah. 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 Willingness to yeah, stick and with I'm it. Very picky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be very picky if you're carving for me. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't well, mean it can't happen, and it should happen. It needs to happen. I'm. I need help. I'm basically booked every week of the year, and sometimes more than one, two, three jobs. That's um, crazy. So, yeah, you know, being realistic. <laughs> and in this economy where everybody needs a job, you know, yeah. if you've got more work than you can handle, that's a great thing. That's really, really yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they have to be sincere, and they have to be usually the next step is then you're, you're, you're needed to carve on location, and then you need to be, you have to be of a mindset that when you deal with the public, it's different. You are on stage. You Every word that comes out of your mouth is positive. You, you know, it's, you have to go through a mindset training. Yeah. And, um, it and you have to know a lot about cheese. Yeah. Like you said, you have to know yeah, a lot about I'm, cheese. So you can tell people yeah. what it takes to make a, you know, one pound of cheese. Yeah. yeah. And, and some of this, you know, not just where you just read it and retort it. It's like you. You cheesemongers, you, there's, there's, you can see this connection and you feel this connection. Every kind of cheese is a story. And it's a very cool, interesting story about dedication and love and skill and science and, and taste. And, and, and if you're in the right mindset, it's exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. Yeah. yeah. And who you discover, all these new cheesemakers who are so passionate about it. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, 
Well, uh, it looks like it always happens too fast, but it looks like we've run out of time on today's show. But um, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us about your craft. It's been really, really fascinating. And uh, I, uh, I look forward to seeing everybody next week for another episode of Cutting the Curd. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby, broadcast live to the cosmos on the Heritage Radio Network.